happy National Cinema Day. Woo! I'd like to thank the uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 Hollywood machine for uh, suddenly dropping a fictional day on us with about three days notice that they were going to have three dollar <laughs> tickets to a bunch of movies that everyone has already seen. <laughs> I didn't even know anything about this. This is brand new for me. I, oh, yes, please yeah. uh, later Google it and just have a ball because uh, how do those things get decided? Like, is there a committee that like sits down and says, oh, you know what we need is a national cinema day. Let's do that. I mean, what? who, who determines that stuff? I it, it would I don't know this this came across my screen about five days ago via the Washington Post. Uh, so this was all news. <laughs> I want to get the, on that. I need to get on that steering committee. You know, I was going to say because this is the inaugural National Cinema Day. No, so well, there you hope, go. Let's hope. Let's hope it's not the one and only uh, National Cinema Day. I feel it will be. <laughs> and yet another. Uh, barn burning uh, P.T. Barnum attempt to uh, to uh, save uh, going to the movies. Yeah, it's become one of those things, though, those days, right? Because you'll, you'll go into work or something and somebody will go, oh, you know, it's it's National Toilet Paper Day or something. Mm-hmm. And 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 I and you and you feel inadequate, like you don't know, like what what the day is, because the calendars you know that we used to buy, they had all the, you know, the little oh, yeah. things listed on there. And there's just too many now. You know, I mean, and it's just like every day. The last time I checked it, just as a joke, I was just like, wow, there's like National Taco Day. Yes. National Pizza Day. <laughs> like, I'm like, where were these when I was growing up? I know, I mean, right? You know, I'm just like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the uh, Columbus Day switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are two lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. And, uh, you know, happy cinema day. Uh, brave listeners uh, out there, uh, you know, yeah, we're just we're just kind of kicking it, grooving into the weekend. Uh, we watched two films this week. Uh, I watched uh, AI, Artificial Intelligence by Steven Spielberg from 2001. And Dr. Watson, he watched Nope, uh, the most recent entry. And I guess we're now calling it the Jordan Peele canon, uh, you know, of, sure. of, of films. So, yeah, that's where we are. And uh, do you want to lead off? You want me to? Sure. Go okay. Yeah. Sure. I'll take the uh, I'll take the baton. Um, I you know I you uh, mentioned AI, and so it kind of put me in a sci-fi place. And um, you know, I had kind of a busy week, so I was like, what you know, I need to catch something quick. But I wanted to try and stay in your genre, and I think even by note being classified as kind of science fiction uh Mm -hmm. it still is probably going to be like tremendously different from uh from ai i don't think we'll find anything but uh homages and nope uh to um to other science fiction films so jeff i had uh, nope is um uh jordan peele's third film correct Mm-hmm. And uh, I've enjoyed his work. I think he's mm-hmm. extremely talented. I think the comedic work that they did on Key and Peele was just, you know, it was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, so there's no question that he's a great talent that we now have. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see uh, his continued work, right? Um, mm-hmm. Nope, I had problems with. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't. I was trying to wrap my head around the best way to kind of describe it. And I think the best thing I can think of is that it was 
12 different really interesting ideas trying to be stuck into one uh-huh. plot line. And so the problem to me was that the story was kind of all over the place. Now, if you've seen the trailers for Nope, or maybe you've seen it, because I think it did fairly mm-hmm. well at the box office, it's still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's kind of a science fiction alien story, right? Aliens mm-hmm. are among us. Uh, and they're not exactly the friendliest, um, you know, species um, around. And so the interesting thing about uh, this is, okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alien abduction story, more or less. Okay. Right? And we're dealing with um, this uh, set of, um, of people that live in uh, California in one of the sort of small communities outside Los Angeles. So it's, it's basically like an old West kind of town. We're on a ranch. Uh, this African-American family raises and trains horses mm-hmm. for movies. Okay. So like stunt horses or. Yes. Or... Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so we're kind of, we, we enter the world of this family on this ranch and we uh, kind of start to see how strange things are happening. Right. People are mm-hmm. disappearing. Uh, things are disappearing. Um uh, doors are now open that weren't open before right i mean it, there's a very slow burn to this movie okay mm-hmm. it really doesn't get going until the middle of the second act um mm. once they start to really kind of figure out yes there are indeed aliens among us and here's kind of what they're doing and here's how we're going to plan to kind of put a stop to to their uh, abduction shenanigans, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think what's what's interesting about it is that I saw a lot of, Jordan Peele obviously loves John Carpenter's The Thing. He mm-hmm. obviously loves Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. And he obviously, whether consciously or not, it's there. It's very similar to uh, Shalomalan's uh, Signs. Mm-hmm. I was just, many, I was just gonna ask you like, it sounds like, I mean, I haven't seen this film yet, but, but, you know, knowing his other two films too, is just like, he has a very Shyamalan trajectory, doesn't he? Like it's very, you know, uh, the auteur uh, method of putting your name uh, above the titles, which he has rightfully, you know, earned, uh, sure. you know, now, uh, but I, I, I'm seeing like a similar trajectory. It's true. Um I don't know if he's necessarily as wedded to having like a big reveal or a big kind of like secret that, you know, um, uh, has to come out in the story. Um, Mm. But I do think that there are nice, nice parallels between those two, um, those two careers. And I'm hoping that he doesn't stay on that trajectory because we all know, we all know what happens, how that worked out for in night. Um, but uh but yeah there isn't nope doesn't have like that big kind of reveal it's obvious that it's going to be aliens like in some form so we're really just kind of watching how he wants to let this story uh unfold more or less and so um it's it's it really deals with our um current 2022 obsession with the need for the truth the need our obsession also with video documenting like things um 
you know, this, this, uh, this obsession with like, well, I have to have proof, um, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of something in existence. So it's, it's, it goes back to, I kept thinking like, gosh, we're, we're still in that mold of where if I can see a picture for it, or if I can see a video of it, then it must be truthful or real. And we're, we're still not fully conscious yet i think as a society into the well those things can be manipulated just like you know anything else it doesn't necessarily mean just because you see a photo of it or just because you see a video of it that it's a hundred percent accurate or true right Mm -hmm. um but that kind of obsession is definitely playing out uh in the movie and um i think jeff to be honest with you after having done a little bit of digging and research on the movie Mm -hmm that I do think it's fair to read this film as maybe Jordan Peele's one of his most personal films, because I think he was trying to express uh, his own frustration, rage, and sentiments towards how he has been treated as a black filmmaker within Mm -hmm. the Hollywood industry. And I think that, 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 that kind of comes out in the story in very, very subtextual ways. Um, You know, it's kind of the movie structured as as kind of snippets so we have like you know there might be a title that starts you see a title on the screen that says gordy and then we see maybe 10 to 12 minutes of gordy's kind of story and then Mm -hmm. the next one is you know charlie or something right and then he kind of like tries to blend them all together and this is where it kind of falls apart Mm -hmm. but he tries to kind of blend them all together by the third act which gives him a lot of third act problems which is where the movie kind of falls apart in my opinion it's Mm -hmm. it's an excellent exercise in how to build suspense how to craft atmosphere there Mm -hmm. are some wonderful moments but this is different. The humor doesn't quite hit right. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the sequences just feel a little um, empty at the end. Mm-hmm. You, you're expecting something different because you're being built into this world and you think, oh, here's where it comes or here's where this, and it, it, right. it, never, it never really, it never really mm-hmm. comes. And so that's also kind of an M. Night trick to a certain extent. So there mm-hmm. are definitely parallels uh, there as we're, we're we're pulling that out but um but the the story if you if you if you take away nothing else from nope mm-hmm. the story of gordy the chimp oh i didn't know it was a chimp and i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna like give away too much because i do want people to enjoy it and experience it for themselves but mm-hmm. but i i think that gordy the chimp's story and gordy's i know it sounds funny but and gordy's rage Hmm. because what essentially happens is i I, you know i'll give it just a small amount of backstory gordy is a television a a chimpanzee who's been trained to be on a television sitcom okay and what happens is one day on set gordy just loses his shit and Mm -hmm. absolutely slaughters everybody on the set and (laughs) i don't know why i'm laughing well, it yeah, right. It sounds humorous, but when you're watching it, that is the most effective component mm-hmm. of the film. And I almost sat there thinking, why isn't this the movie? Like, why isn't Gordy's story the whole movie? Because it was so compelling and interesting. And that's where you really started to see like, okay, like I- I'm getting Jordan Peele's sense of like rage, right? At, mm-hmm. at how he's been frustrated and treated coming up through 
this industry that really does abuse, mm-hmm. you know, just about any talented person that that can come uh, that can come through it and survive. Um, but yeah, it's a you know, it's it's a UFO story overall. Mm-hmm. The Gordy story is kind of woven in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really directly connect to the ranch or the, I mean, it, it's, it's got writing problems. Um, well, but it sounds a, like there's a lot of pieces on the board here. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, and I think there's enough pieces to where people could watch it and find it interesting and compelling, but then still leave going, oh, you know, I mean, it's okay. But, uh, but mm-hmm. what about this? And why did this, you know, I mean, you're, you're left with just a lot of questions about, plot and and connections and sometimes that's okay but here sure. i felt like we needed a little bit more clarity and closure to certain things yeah. cinematography jeff is amazing mm-hmm. um hoyt van hoytena okay i'm not mispronouncing his name i could be mm-hmm. he's kind of a christopher nolan guy okay tenant uh interstellar mm-hmm. dunkirk the movie is shot beautifully so i mean it's it's got enough to look at wonderful performances but the script just kind of falls a little flat mm-hmm. and has third act problems. And overall, I think it was just because it, it it couldn't really decide. He couldn't really decide whether he wanted to go full blown and make it just all aliens without this other kind of subtextual stuff playing underneath. Mm-hmm. I think he just needed to make better decisions about taking out certain ideas and keeping it more of us as having a singular focus as being kind of all over the map. Do you think he was attempting uh, 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 his version of an event film? I, I mean, now that he's in that space and the pressure of his first two films, you know, we're basically, I'm going to, I'm going to make a large assumption here. I'm going to assume he had a blank check and they said, we want to be in the Jordan Peele business, Universal. This came out through Universal, did it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's and what I'm the, assuming. They're the movie monster event studio, right? right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think that's accurate, Jeff. Um, I do. I think that uh, it was probably, I haven't doubled, I'd have to double check the numbers, but I think mm-hmm. it was definitely the biggest budget that he had to work with. Mm-hmm. And so there is that pressure with it being a summer film, mm-hmm. right? That there's certain expectations <laughs> that it's going to have certain style and content. Um, and it, it, you know, it's not when you put it up against, you know, something like Top Gun or Jurassic Park, like it's not going to hold weight Mm -hmm. with those big blockbuster summer movies. So some of it could be that it might have played better in the fall, but Mm -hmm. I really think that it was more of, we're going to let Jordan go play creatively. We're not going to step in his way. We're going to let him do his thing. Mm -hmm. And he did his thing. And I, and I, I think, um, that's where the 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 problems come in and that somebody should have mm-hmm. said hey you know let's let's simplify these ideas a little bit let's let's try and streamline it so that um the overall goals of what you're trying to accomplish with the story are a little bit clearer and a little bit more more streamlined because mm-hmm. as of right now it's a lot of different pieces and there's not really a, a cohesive whole i think is fair what is it that you think happens then with with directors when they get into this position finally you know where it's just like you can go make that film you've you know not necessarily the film you've always wanted to make but you can definitely have the time to develop something that you really you know you want to go with and it it always seems like it seems to to not quite work right i mean right. I, i'm thinking specifically of brewster mcleod um you know you know he he got he had he had the blank check he had the money i'm gonna go make brewster mcleod and it's just like what are you doing like the- <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think uh 
that sometimes it can work. Um, you know, I think we can see certain examples of, say, the film school generation in the 70s where they were allowed to be kind of auteurs and creative automatons mm-hmm. do their own thing. But um, but it's rare. I think I, 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 I mean, I'm happy that he got to do the movie. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. but at the same time, I think what's lost is that sense of when you get into that mode where you have total creative control you you start to lose any sense of wanting to give your audience entry points or connection mm-hmm. points you're so wrapped up in the message or the vision of what it is that you're trying to do that you forget that okay well how's the audience going to receive this or how's the audience going to think about this mm-hmm. and um you know by the time you get to test screenings when you're talking about that stuff it's really kind of too late to, i mean unless you go back and reshoot and do and that's more money and mm-hmm. you know and, and i think that for what the expectations were for this movie from an audience perspective i think it kind of falls falls a little flat um and i know i, I know that there's a lot of people out there who enjoy the subtext that's going on in jordan peele's film here mm-hmm. uh, about race race in hollywood sure. this idea of being caged trained you know all, all of those kinds of metaphors are there but it's just it's not overt enough for me mm-hmm. to where a large audience could really pick up nor does he continue to meditate enough on that singular theme the aliens get in the way basically right. um more or less um but you know that if you watch sci-fi enough you know the aliens can be metaphors or representations for lots of things and these particular uh aliens this species uh, of aliens just is interested in consumption right i mean they just they just want to consume they just want to eat like everything right and so it's you know you can see the metaphoric stuff that's going on uh Mm -hmm. you know with the audiences and the industry just consuming people and uh, audiences wanting proof and truth and trying to capture the uh you know the the rare thing um but it just doesn't it it just doesn't stay streamlined enough and it does really there's this tremendously long action sequence in the third act and you're going why this this reads like a giant ad for um electric motorcycles well is it is it satire it's like a product I, I mean, placement kind of thing i you know it no. could be maybe it was supposed to be funny it didn't it didn't read that way i mean there is that mm-hmm. sequence you saw it in the trailer where she's riding a motorcycle through the 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 ranch mm-hmm. and there's all those like flimsy oh, things guys yeah, car dealerships? Yeah. yeah yeah i mean and that's kind of cleverly incorporated it's it's you know it's fun little bit but at the at the point where she's just riding this motorcycle through this, I'm like, what are we? Is this like the Jurassic World like summer, um, you know, action sequence where yeah. we're supposed, it just it just felt like a big product placement thing for that mm. motorcycle, and it just didn't really read um, or play for me. It was like, what what is going on? You know, yeah. I'm like this third act is crazy. It's all over the place. So, well, um, I, I I'm also just you know. I'm also a champion of of films like these because at least, you know, we're still getting swings for the fences, mm-hmm. right? With original ideas and oh, yeah. you know things like that. So, I, I'm at least happy when I see or I hear word of you know the, a project like this is happening, and then the trailer drops, and you know even even if it's something like in this case where I didn't have a chance to go see it yet, I know I'm very happy that it got you know the big release during the you know during the summer months and you know it's competing against all this ip and it's just like 
ways that keeps everything healthy. Yes, it yeah. does. It does help the balance of things. And um, he's, you know, he's he's developed uh, a really strong reputation, and rightfully so. And so I'm not. I'm certainly not going to avoid Jordan, Jordan Peele. I mean, you know, not every movie that every director makes will will hit you, uh, you know, in the right way. It is also one, Jeff, that I will wholeheartedly admit that I, I will rewatch at some point, mm-hmm. you know, down the line. And maybe I'll think differently about it. Maybe it'll hit me mm-hmm. differently at that point. But, you know, first time out, these are just my initial impressions. It's like good at bat, sir. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you got good velocity on the ball and, you know, it was it was headed out the park, but it just fell a little short before a home run. You know, that, that's yeah. that's 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 the way I felt about it. So, well, we're two lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done discussing uh, Jordan Peele's latest outing. Nope. Uh, which uh, you watched it at home, right? You. Yes, you did. OK, it is available for rent now for the sprightly price of twenty dollars. Ooh. which I forked out because I believe in Jordan Peele. And there you go. You got to support. You got to didn't have time to go to the movie theater this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, uh, I got it. I got this ball rolling this week when I texted you, I was going to uh, be re watching. This is actually the fourth time I've seen this film. Uh, well, you and I have talked I, about this movie a lot. Right. Uh, and so I'm yeah. really excited to hear you know um it it had been a spell since i had watched it uh and the film i'm talking about of course is ai artificial intelligence directed uh by steven spielberg came out in 2001 stars uh haley joel osment and uh jude law quick uh if there there is such a synopsis for a movie like this it can best be said uh i will crib this uh from imdb A highly advanced robotic boy longs to become quote unquote real so that he can regain the love of his human uh, mother. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You know, I know I, I, you know, I'm not going to go wrong. What could go wrong? What could go Uh, wrong? I I could get into the Pinocchio waters. I'm going to try to avoid that. Um, You know, uh, because I think that that's harped on a little bit too much with this film and the the legacy of this film being that this was uh, a failure um that this film did not hit its mark that you know spielberg didn't have the you know the right uh uh, uh, uh instruments to to make a a stanley kubrick <laughs> uh uh project which is what this is uh uh kubrick i think he optioned it first in the late 60s it's based on a short story by brian aldis called super toys last all summer long um and he was working. Yeah. So he started working on the property in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, really trying to develop it in, in his, the crutch always was that he always felt like technology wasn't there yet. Technology wasn't there yet. Kubrick actually had the, had the big idea that he wanted, uh, David, who's the name of the Halo Joe Osment character to be completely, you know, computer generated. And, by the time Jurassic Park rolled around, he finally felt like, oh, they've got it. You know, now we can do it. But unfortunately, it still wasn't there. You know what I mean? It's just like he still he 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 missed uh, the 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 motion capture uh, revolution, which I think would have, you know, some. But let me let me just say this. Haley Joe Osment is amazing in this film. Never blinks. Never blinks and i'm I, even i'm sure there's a little digital assistance there you know i know they took his breath out just like they do in titanic no in titanic they gave them breath that's what i always get that confused yeah. yes 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just his performance is just <laughs> outstanding. Well, I think it, this is coming off Sixth Sense, right? Which is where he kind of yes. hit the scene, got hit the scene with that for, for yeah. Sixth Sense, and this is shortly after that. So his career is at that time was really starting to, to take off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, he, you know, they matched him perfectly with Jude Law, who's Gigolo Joe, <laughs> sex robot, good character. Oh man, I, I'm telling you, it's just like he's just magnificent. I mean, it, it, I just it, I have to remind myself how long Jude Law's been around. You know, it's just like, and he's another one of those uh, uh, Paul Rudd ageless people. You know, where it's just like he looks exactly the same. When we were watching The Young Pope, I was just like, my God, <laughs> you, you didn't have to apply that much. Some kind of deal with the devil to stay uh, to stay so youthful looking. Sure. I mean, they didn't have to do much makeup on him for this. You know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, I know they did the wigs and whatnot, but. This film, this film is difficult because in, in, you know, in my notes, number one, it's really weird when the title card comes up and it says in Amblin Stanley Kubrick production, <laughs> because again, when you think about for people who don't know Amblin was Steven Spielberg's company back in the eighties and all of our childhood movies were Amblin movies, the Goonies, E.T., um, you know, all of these films. So to see these two names collide and juxtapose immediately kind of takes your brain a moment <laughs> You know, to sit there and hang on a second. Amblin and Stanley Kubrick, right? Um, but uh, uh, complete credit with Spielberg here because I feel uh, personally that this is we were talking about personal films. This is a very personal film. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that he has a lot of adopted children. Uh, and this film went very early on. Okay. So the, the film opens with not music, but the sound of the ocean, right? The rolling of waves, tossing waves. And then we get a voiceover and they talk about how global warming has basically sunk all the major coast cities on the planet. Like those cities now don't exist anymore. And that uh, this has caused a population, you know, um, uh, a serious population problem where now we're even more divided as societies. Like there is, you're either extremely wealthy or you're poor as dirt. Like there is no middle class. There is no nothing left. Um, They've put a a, uh, restriction on having children. So only, you know, you have to basically apply to have children. Like you have to meet criteria to have children. So William Hurt, uh, who's also in this movie briefly, plays this scientist inventor. uh, And he has come up with uh, 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 the David robot, which is based on his own son who passed away. We never really get that backstory. We get it through a couple photos on the desk. It doesn't take long to put two and two together. You know, that, that David was, you know, his son and something tragic must have happened. But uh, there's an interesting conversation going on with him and his scientist at the beginning of the film trying to set this up. And the one thing I really latched onto this time was this, because uh, they're debating about the ethics of creating a lifelike child robot, right? And one of them says, if a robot loves a person, then what does that person's, what is that person's responsibility in return? Mm. Right? Because the the trick is that, the robot won't love you, quote unquote, 
won't imprint to you unless you do like these very specific things like these very you say like these seven magic words to them and then it'll reset and then whoever said those words it will forever be attached to them right i mean the the <laughs> i mean the devastating ego of what's being proposed i mean alone you know, is is just like, and this this really came to mind. I was at a film festival this past week. I was watching this uh, documentary uh, about artificial intelligence, and it was just striking again at the at the ego of the creator, right? Going, no, no, this is what we need, right? This will, this is what we need. This is what we need. And again, you know, the great Goldblum once laid it all out for us in Jurassic Park, right? Where he's just like, you, uh, you know, you rushed in there and you never really uh, asked why. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, all these big ideas. And um, this is also something that's very common in Spielberg films. You know, it's just like the ethics of of mm-hmm. decisions uh, right. that, that can be made. But this film is so, it's so dark about, you know, parenthood and responsibility and creating life and taking care of it. And this is all the undercurrent of this film. And, you know, you're a parent. So I want to ask, I mean, what, what does that, you know, what does that mean to you? Like, I mean, in relation to the movie or how that, yeah, yeah, I mean, just, um, just this idea too, like pitching, you know, this, this idea of, you know, well, we're going to create this machine that will love uh, you unconditionally. Yeah. I, well, um, I, I think that it's it's fascinating because we have such an obsession in our culture with becoming a parent or not becoming a parent or ways to become a parent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but but without really, I think necessarily contemplating what that is going to change and how those responsibilities are going to change for one. Mm-hmm. Once kids are in play, you know, because then you are responsible for, you know, someone else's, someone else's life. And when we're now theorizing about loving something that isn't human, can that love really be reciprocated? Can you get, and this is, I think the film explores this territory. How, how can love be, um, exchanged between human mm-hmm. robot and a genuine authentic way can it even be mm-hmm. um exchanged in a in a authentic way um and so i think that the implication for us and parents is to think about how i think there's probably even people who are parents who don't have an authentic relationship with their human mm-hmm. like parents. I mean, they have something that is either robotic or something that is kind of artificial in, in, mm-hmm. in a way, you know, everybody is kind of playing a role with each other, you know, about how they're supposed to interact um, as opposed to having real genuine connection, which mm-hmm. to me is what that film is that, that character it's been a while since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I remember everything that you're saying. It's a very dark film. It it's, um, it's very sad in many places. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. You feel so much empathy for David, mm-hmm. which I think is what's interesting, at least I did. And so that's what's interesting is that how much empathy can be elicited for this robotic character that isn't really human, but mm-hmm. but yet 
is almost it's it's almost uh indetectable right um mm-hmm. the, the it's so good it's such a good replicant yes um that you feel for him and you want him to find a place or a home or a um uh you want to find uh, you want him to find love and that's reciprocated in mm-hmm. uh in in the right ways um and the, the movie has this kind of oliver tone to it right i mean he kind mm-hmm. of he gets lost, right? Or how? How's no, no. His mother abandons him. He gets no, abandoned. That's he gets right, abandoned right. in the woods, right. you know, right. uh, with only uh, the the absolute technical marvel known as Teddy. Um, that bear. I'll get more into that, but please finish your thoughts. Well, that's. I mean, that. Yeah, I was. I was trying to remember. I. I. Rem, I, I knew it was a harsh separation, but in essence, he's kind of just tossed out like like garbage, right? Like a, correct. Like. like we can't use you anymore. You don't have any, any purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not fulfilling your purpose for what we, we were hoping for. Right. Um, and so we'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll just toss you out here with the rest of the tech trash. That Well, we you know, in, in Spielberg doubles down on it uh, later uh, as David's wandering the woods, mm-hmm. uh, we see an actual dump truck full of robot parts get dumped. Mm-hmm out in the woods and then the 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 abandoned other abandoned robots come out and are like scavenging it and like looking for parts to keep themselves going and then he segues this into to what they call a flesh fair uh all the robots that are wandering around get rounded up and basically brendan gleason plays this kind of really over the top uh i guess a humanist i guess would be would be the word because he's for humans so it's mm-hmm. humanism um uh, where they go and they basically pick up all these robots and then destroy them in really awful ways for a paying crowd, you know, uh, in a, it's very violent. Uh, I think that's where Spielberg too is trying to also develop the empathy for robots in general. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, cause they're all heartbreaking. Cause you know, it's just like, Oh God, there's this one moment where it's just like, they're dragging off this one robot and he's just like, is it my time? My purpose already is it time to go. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, it's just, it's so painful. Like you're yeah. watching it and it's just like, holy moly. Like we're, you know, again, this fits the Kubrick mold of, you know, human beings are terrible. We're cold. We're calculating. We're misguided. And, but at our hearts, like we, at the end of the day, we'll probably just take a big shit on it. You know, it's just like, there's just no, <laughs> if no one in our listening audience has ever seen a Stanley Kubrick film, I wish I had, you know, better news for you, but it's just like, but you know what? You'll be so compelled to watch it again and again and again, because it's the way that he crafts that. Well, it's new every time. I mean, you, yeah. you see, you see different things um, each time and, you know, Jeff, there's a fine line between, um, civilized society and chaos and that mm-hmm. line is electricity that um, is correct so i i i i think it's interesting when you're watching ai in 2022 as to does it bring up questions of waste yes need mm-hmm. um you know we have these needs in our society to to feel wanted Mm-hmm. and desired and uh you know um valued i mean i don't think this is anything new but i think in our mediated culture the way it is today it's even greater mm-hmm. um uh and and so um do you get any sense of when you're watching ai in 2022 mm-hmm. do you does our current 
even social media culture like does that come to play this desire no. to be loved and to, that doesn't come out okay no okay. no there's nothing along that line but you also got to remember that you know this this film part of it is 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 predicated on that you know basically like even though the earth is slowly swallowing itself up we're still creating sex robots right so you know what i mean it's just like right. we're you know it's like right. we're it's like we're we're riding <laughs> i'll use a kubrick image we're riding the bomb right right down to the end man and having a yeah. hell of a time doing it you know if yeah. we're going out we're going out party baby right like so it's just yeah i mean that's 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 what's really at you know at play here and that's it makes it even more tragic it's just like i don't know man like it's just like you sit there and you just go oh good lord like you know uh but but the the, the end of the film of course which is where people had a lot of problems with an read over time. And I don't know why, because I actually agree with the final, basically the final third of the film takes place 2000 years after the events of uh, the proper ending of the story. And David gets trapped and him and Teddy get trapped. And then we find out 2000 years later that the earth is going through another ice age. We basically bit it. No surprise there. Uh, an alien species has arrived. They're kind of archaeologists and they want to figure out, you know, probably what happened. Uh, and they come across David and Teddy frozen in the ice. And, you know, they're going to use David to to figure out because he's like, you actually interacted with human beings so we could get invaluable data and you recorded everything so immaculately like we can recreate, you know, scenarios and all that. And of course, all David wants he wants to see his mom right and fortunately teddy has a lock of hair from the mom and uh the catch though is is that they can only recreate the mom for one full day so he gets to spend he can choose you can virtually always have this around or you can spend one full day with her and when she goes to sleep at night she'll never wake up again and of course he chooses the full day well and yeah. there's that theme of you know and it, it does play out in in science fiction a lot it's the the idea of the humanity's finite sense of time right uh, the mm -hmm. technology could somehow live beyond us mm -hmm. uh and be rebooted or re, you know re, restarted yeah. but uh but humanity has a limited shelf life right um yeah. and uh, that's part of what makes us human right and um uh and so then we're left to contemplate like well sort of legacy questions like what kind of stuff do we want to leave behind um mm -hmm. what kind of life do we want to live what's most important to us mm -hmm. um i remember that ending now and i remember that i don't have any problems with that ending i thought mm -hmm. it was a very touching ending because uh all of that is swelling back to me now mm -hmm. those um uh, those components and it does it leaves you i, I just remember being so somber mm -hmm. and 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 contemplative like mm -hmm. after watching that movie like yeah what did i just see because it's such a different film for spielberg it, it looks like a spielberg film Oh yeah, he's got Janice shooting it. Janice you know, Kaminsky, right, right. So, yeah. And 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 that's you know, uh, it has the feels in that way. Did John Williams do the score? John Williams does the score. So there you go. The the Spielberg players are in place, but the story is is, uh, dare I say, just kind of a flipping the world kind of inversion of what Spielberg 
kind of always tries to tell. I mean, well, I, I would compare, argue compare this I, movie to like E.T., right? Which is well, actually, I was going to compare it to Close Encounters because okay, I think that's in, 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 you know, again, Spielberg very rarely writes on screenplays. He wrote on this screenplay. He he made some adjustments. And I was having a conversation with someone and, and I was talking about it. And I said, I said, you know, the weird thing is, is just like every time the only time Spielberg gets personal are in these films that he, he has a personal hand in and talking about love family. Mm-hmm. I mean, close encounters is a dark movie. It you is. know, the, the UFO things really kind of almost like a, a MacGuffin, you know I mean? I'm just like, this is about a man escaping his life. That's right. And abandoning his family. That's right. And his children. Yes. To go on this crazy, you know, thing and then leaves the planet. I don't know what that says. Like when you really think about Close Encounters, it's like, what is being said in this film? <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we've got this wonderful, you know, John Williams floaty score at the end and Richard Dreyfuss is all smiling. He's going to go grab the alien's hand. But then you got to take a moment and go, now, wait a second. How did he get here? Oh, yeah, that's right. He abandoned his family. Right, right, right. Right. Uh, uh, Elliot doesn't get on the ship with E.T. Right. I mean, nope. uh, there's yeah, there's there's um, and, and and that is something, you know, it's <laughs> never thought about close encounters in that way because it's always mm-hmm. been sort of this uh, sense of wonder mystery. Well, that's right? that's like that's part of his ma- that's his magician's trick. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just like he there's this unbelievably dark film here, but yet he's like. I'm going to put some of this music here and then I'm going to do this. I'm just going to kind of distract you because I kind of went down this one way and oh boy, that's a big old bummer, but let me go ahead and try to do my magic trick that I do. Right. Where it's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the story around. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Indiana Jones and the last crusade, that's a dark film. You know why it's a dark film? Because (laughs) Henry has had really nothing to do with his son's life. Yeah. They they do not know each other. Right. 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 So far that they go to that outrageous joke about having sex with the same woman. Right. <laughs> yes. Which, yeah. Which it's I a gross joke. Recently too, and it's, yeah, the joke doesn't, <laughs> it, it does kind of make you go, mm, mm. Uh, in, in 2022 for sure. Um, but yeah, the Spielberg's exploration of the family and family relationships is definitely a motif through all of his stuff. But I never really thought, I guess, about close encounters you're you're 100 right. You know he does. He just Dreyfus just ups and leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obsessed. Like I I gotta you know like I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Um and uh, uh and 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 I guess that's kind of counterpoint because the little boy in close. Oh God, Barry. Right? When they show him crying, yeah, and the it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, and Dreyfus and 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 uh, Terry Gar just yelling at each other. You know, and they cut to the boy and he's just crying, you know, just like, oh, my God, it's so see this again. That's what I'm saying. Like Spielberg's great magic tricks in these films that 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 he would actually get away from doing. Right. Because it just like he. There's something in him, I think, and I have seen the the documentary, although I just think it's a fluff piece. But um, did you see it? The one that it was on. Was it HBO or Showtime or something? Yeah, like, I think the, HBO. The big, it's yeah. a fluff piece. He he's not gonna you know 
trying to get anything honest out of him is is so difficult you know because i mean he just he's he's again he's a great magician he's a great manipulator right. and he, you know and he has an image and you know he always looks the same he always talks the same with his hands and his legacy though now that i'm really thinking about it because i remember one of the one of the early papers i wrote in graduate school was about et mm-hmm. and how when you're a kid, you know, you read E.T. as sort of an adventure film. It's it's a, it's a different experience. But when you get older, you go, oh, wow, this is a film about divorce. This yep. is a film about dealing with oh. abandonment and feeling like, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's totally there. And so E.T. hits way differently for me. D. Wallace, man. Yeah. Oh, my but, God. But think about that. I mean, you're, you're hitting on it, Jeff. I mean, Jaws has mm-hmm. the same domestic uh, conflict poltergeist um all you know all, most of his films now wait a second joey you didn't direct that. poltergeist right no I'm but winking. i'm on. winking i'm winking you, you yeah you know spielberg's we all, all know he directed that fucking um and and i think he did direct <laughs> um quite a few uh pieces of that puzzle but um but yeah i mean that that domestic the 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 conflict of domesticity and the and the traditional family relationship is right. definitely something that it plays out through through his films um, and it, it's not something that we're probably ever going to get clear cut stuff, but yeah. So, so I guess bookended with AI close encounters would be a better mm-hmm. bookend. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just, yeah. if um, you're going to do a double feature kind of, if thing. you're, if you're going to do this and, and you want to understand, uh, uh, you know, sort of how he feels about the issue of, of marriage, childbearing and abandonment. Yes. Uh, I watched this uh, in remastered HD. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, way ahead of the game, the, the effects they were using. I bet it like, looks great. Oh, it, my God. It looks I, great, right? I mean, whatever ILM was working on with him with this. I mean, and again, there is this character, which is basically a, a uh, robot teddy bear. It steals the show still. And it's a practical Stan Winston effect. Like it's it is an actual puppet. And I am just amazed, amazed. It's I, I just sit there and go, see, folks, you can still do it. Like it's just like you, you the I, practical, yeah, the yeah, practical. I know that they had arguments about uh, uh, that with the uh, the Mandalorian and in uh, the Grogu character about whether they were going to go practical. Did they end up? Is it a mix it's or a is mix. it? Yeah, it is a mix. a mix. Uh, and you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can uh, click on the show notes in our Discord, uh, where we're happy to engage with you there. Uh, you can email us lonelyphds at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, of course, you, we want you to subscribe, rate, and leave notes on the show through whatever podcatcher that you're using right now. We're on every major one Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. You can go to our Podbean page. Thank you, Podbean, for hosting us as always. Uh, and you know, you can find the link to the podcatcher that you want until next time. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you.